Paul Markham, an all-star team, combines the best minds from all over the scene. We got friends of the show coming back, bringing laughs, jokes, and they're also dropping facts. So kick back, relax, and unwind. What you're going to find is going to blow your mind. Hi, I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, host of Star Talk Radio. I've recruited a crack team of scientists and science educators to help me bring the universe down to Earth. And they are the Star Talk Hi, and welcome to Star Talk All-Stars. I'm your host, primatologist Natalia Reagan, here with the hilarious Sarah Siskin and Dr. Shara Bailey, a paleoanthropologist at New York University. And we're talking about Homo sapiens, a new find in Morocco, pushes them back, pushes us back, really, uh, another 100,000 years, so making us about 315,000 years old. God, just when I was feeling like I looked young. We still look pretty good. <laughs> so old. We still look pretty good. But, yeah, but yeah, Shara, that still- is still pretty darn young in terms of the geological time bucket. We're right. Just still little yeah. blip. Yeah, we are just a blip. We're a, we're a blink of an eye, really, um, in terms of geological time, and even in terms of the the uh, our our lineage or the hominin mm-hmm. uh, clade, because and hominins means things that are more closely related to us than they are to apes. Um, that goes back 4.2, maybe 4.4 million years, right? That's mm-hmm. a long time. So 300,000 years, yeah, we're still relatively young. Absolutely. I have a, a, a strange question. If you were like, um, if you were to measure this in terms of greats, like grandparents, when we are talking about <laughs> how many greats, I don't know if you've ever put a number to it, if you want to speculate, but like how many greats are we talking about? Oops, I, calculating, yeah, pending. Uh, well, because also, uh, you, have, you like, might I'm be doing math earlier. Like, yeah, because we're talking 315,000. Right, and then how a generation that, time is what, 60 years? I don't know. Can we yeah, do well, let's say 100. smaller before, because if you're, people, you're popping out kids, as soon as you could pop them out, it would probably be like, you know, 12, 13. Yeah. So if, you know, uh, if we lived, let's say, 50 years, maybe? Grandparent at 24? That would be like 6,300 uh, 6, greats is what I'm getting. Um, Maybe somebody will I'm check the math on that. You. Yeah, that, somebody out there, check that math. That's a lot of greats. That's a lot of greats. That, that's that a lot seems, of greats. Some of them are greater than others. I wonder if they're proud of us. I, right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's a lot of greats. That's, that's, that's a long, long time. Yeah, but we're young. Yeah, so that yeah. makes us, but, uh, but relative, I mean, think of how many greats it would be to go back to Australopithecus, right? Yeah. That's, Jeez Louise. Yeah. yeah. Many, many, many more A long, greats. long so time. we're still relatively young. Yeah. Let's put it that we're way. We're geological we're, whippersnappers. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you look on, if you imagine, you know, time, let's say the origin of the earth as a clock, um, like humans, our lineage would have evolved like in the last second of the last day or something like yeah. that. I mean, it's, it's, it's just... Those Australopithecines would just be like, get off my lawn, yeah. you stupid homo sapiens. <laughs> thought you were going like somewhere safe. else with that. Like safe. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, I think I accidentally tweeted once or was going to like, yeah. a, new, a new homo is in town. And I was like, oh, no, Natalia, don't do... No, that just sounds yeah. wrong. But as far as uh, us being a young species... Right. Uh, did this population in Morocco, is there any sort of evidence that it would have admixed with populations in East Africa? Or does mm. it look like it's sort of a, maybe a dead-end group? Or is, is there still more research to be done? I, I think that uh, there's still more research to be done. Okay. I think the idea is that um, that this group, or that the Homo sapiens in North Africa, at least some of the members would have mixed with other Homo sapiens that are were mm. around. And through the merging of different characteristics, maybe the chin evolved in one area 
area and the higher forehead evolved somewhere else and larger mm-hmm. brain size evolved somewhere else and you know but there's there's early modern humans in South Africa as well not this old but um, you know 80 120,000 so I think that we should imagine you know Africa populated by things that are modern like but maybe modern in different ways and then yeah. they merge together and um, yeah, and whether or not they interbred with other species like Homo and Naledi that would be around at that time. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's something that remains to be tested. My, from looking at the teeth, Homo naledi is, is quite odd and uh, oddly derived, we say, which means changed from the yeah. ancestral condition. And in, in some ways, the teeth are Homo-like, but mm-hmm. in other ways, they're, they're just really so odd uh, that my feeling is at least I haven't seen any evidence of admixture from, let's say, Naledi. But, you know, I haven't done a it's official classic, study yet. But I, the, I, yes. You know, and you have to figure out how are you going to yeah. test that. Yeah. Unless, it's the, yeah uh, the question of anthropology is, uh, did we tap that? Did, yeah, did, did we, would, would, would you tap that? <laughs> yeah, would you tap that? Right. And did you, and right. could it produce viable offspring? So, so uh, <laughs> uh, Dr. Bailey, um, we're talking about um, Homo Naledi, right? Yeah. Would you tap that? It's you know, dramatic pause. <laughs> She's thinking about it, guys. I'm watching her. She's thinking. It depends on how many drinks I had. (laughs) That's generally how it always goes. But you know, know, we gotta repopulate. Yeah. Did they bring flowers? Did they did they compliment you on your on your address? Yeah. Like were they are they somewhat intelligent? Like could they have like the linguistic ability to you know. The thing is, they have pretty, pretty small brain, brain sizes. Yeah. So no probably, sweet You know, the thing is, I I would probably tap a Neanderthal before okay. I tap a Homo. You'd be sloppy seconds, maybe uh, like. I say it erect. I think he'd do erectus oh, after no, Neanderthal. She's so embarrassed. I, <laughs> I wish Sorry. that blushing came across in a podcast. Uh. <laughs> this is Star Talk. Oh, we've got some uh, yeah, we got some queries. good cosmic questions. Okay, good. Let's throw it out to the fans. Mm-hmm. Um, we got this is an interesting question. I like. Is it possible uh, that this uh, fossil that was just found could this be a ritualistic burial? Um, is ritualistic burial common in the Homo genus? Um, the things that we look at mm-hmm. to identify ritualistic burial would be evidence of, let's say, cannibalism, uh, which really? could be ritualistic, um, and we have good huh. evidence of, um, I believe, good evidence of cannibalism dating back actually earlier than this, 800,000 years ago, a homo antecessor from uh, Spain, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, north of Madrid area, Burgos area, the the Sierra de Atapuerca. And that's, uh, there's definitive cut marks on the bone, all over the, every bone is cut marked, whether it's a young child, the cut mark, the older. and or you might look for grave goods for it to be some kind of ritualistic we did not find any grave goods um with Yahud that suggests that it's a ritualistic burial um and it wasn't a complete enough skeleton to tell if the burial position what might also suggest intentional yeah. or ritual kinds of things so we we don't um have that information on the body position that's fascinating yeah. though yeah. about yeah. how you tell what's ritualistic yeah yeah, yeah right i mean uh, cannibalism but cannibalism could be not real ritualistic you know yeah. it could also be they're seems, hungry yeah. or they don't yeah. like those people and they're just going to eat them <laughs> or you know they're they're captives money. from a little yeah. you know whatever mini war or whatever altercation right yeah. so but some people point to cannibalism as being ritualistic but uh, you know i think looking yeah. for grave goods and, and things like that uh, is is would be definitive yeah wow okay wow. i'm I glad mean, so that none of our dna and the yeah. calculus of their teeth of that other but i don't know if it would preserve oh, yeah. Yeah, that would be really oh. cool that'd be yeah. ooh. i'm just i'm glad our none of our rituals now include like i had a 
had a bat mitzvah. That's like as ritualistic as I get. <laughs> That's, uh, whew, I'm glad that we didn't nobody to keep that ate one. Uncle Bernie. Nobody, yeah. nobody good. Okay, yeah. cool. Ooh, okay. Uh, we have one quick one uh, yes. left. Okay, one, well, we got, um, uh, this one. is a good one to end on, actually. All right, from Instagram, we got, why is this a big deal? What can we learn from it? Why is it a big deal? What can we learn from it? That's um, I, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> it's, well, it's a big deal because it pushes back our um, our uh, origins, right? Another hundred thousand years. It also, as I mentioned before, it suggests that there's not one cradle of uh, humanity, but that it is a pan-African event. It suggests that our modernity. Uh, happen through an accretional process, little bits and pieces, rather than springing up, all of a sudden mm-hmm. we're modern, right? So, <laughs> I'm here! <laughs> so, um, and, and, it, and, we, we, and we can tell about the behavior of early modern humans, and, and we know, um, you know that they're associated with this um, uh, um, Middle Stone Age tool technology, mm-hmm. which has um, implications for behavior, and, and you know, we're interested in what people were doing and why, why we ended up where we are and why we look like we are and why we act the way we do. And so that's, that's why it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Filling in that puzzle. Yeah, filling mm-hmm. in that puzzle, absolutely. Right? <laughs> yeah. Or connecting the dots, right? I mean, if you imagine, you know, Susan Anton, you know my colleague, Susan Anton, she has this great analogy mm-hmm. I heard her use. And she said, imagine you have, um, you know, one of those connected dot puzzles you, mm-hmm. know, you do when you're a kid? Yeah. So imagine you have one of those, um, but you're missing half the dots oh, or you're missing three yeah. quarter of the dots oh, right God. and imagine that the dots aren't numbered right so so this, this is why i stick to comedy right? so, <laughs> so every time we find a fossil that gives us another dot and every time we find a date that puts a number on that dot and that allows us to you know connect those dots and then figure out what that picture really is mm-hmm. but when you are missing a lot of the dots um you know we we think we know what the picture is yeah. but then when you get a new dot mm, yeah. we thought it was a dot maybe yeah. you know what i mean so the dots it's incredibly dramatic. Anything can happen. It's kind it's, of exciting. It is exciting. It exactly. Is exciting, I yeah. love paleo. I mean, if it wasn't for the living primates, paleo is the way to go. Paleoanthropology. Yeah. I love my job. Exciting. Exciting field. <laughs> you hear that NYU? She's pubbing you. She loves exactly. her job. Love my job. <laughs> Thank you. This is Star Talk. Now it's time for the Cosmic Query. So, Sarah, what do you got for me? I got a lot. Um, I got to say, uh, fans of Star Talk, I was not impressed on the whole with your spelling ability. Uh, I think we need to Go work on that. Go easy on them. Maybe okay. they were drunk. Okay, yeah, that's true. A lot of them were from the wee hours of the early morn. Um, <laughs> Good time to watch YouTube. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so let's see. First one, and I'm going to do my best with all the name pronunciations on these, okay? Oh, yeah. I, I know it's hard to believe, but I am fallible, you know? So Whoa. I, I know. You make mistakes. You heard it here first. Get out of yeah. town. Exactly. All right. Mm. So the first one comes from Abhinandan NM from Facebook Live. And his question, or her question, is how come humans are so weak when compared to other closely related species? It's a great question. Um, well, first of all, I, I would think, I'm, and I'm assuming, and I don't want to assume too much, you're probably thinking of chimpanzees or, or bonobos or gorillas, apes, because uh, we're part of the great ape family. Uh, a lot of people don't know that. We're humans are apes, first and foremost. We're great apes, though some of us yeah. are greater than others. Loud and proud. Yeah, loud and proud. And um, actually, w- w- what's different in our morphology versus uh, other great apes is we are bottom heavy as far as like we have long limbs, our legs, I mean, our long 
hind limbs. Our legs are uh, the strong part of our body where our arms have sort of gotten weaker over time because of lack of use. A lot of the primates, uh, other great apes, are uh, spend a lot of their time in trees. They're arboreal versus uh, humans, which we are mostly terrestrial. We are on the ground. And so we have evolved to have these really strong hind limbs so we can walk upright. And uh, so not only do the do gorillas, chimps, and, and orangutans, and, and gibbons, which are the lesser apes, um, their size, not because they're any less than, than the other apes. Yeah, don't want to offend our gibbon no, listeners no, no, out gibbon, there. Yeah, gibbons, stay with me, guys. Stay yeah, with me, okay? They're a powerful lobby. You guys too. are fantastic, especially yeah. the Javan gibbons. I love you. We get a lot of money from the gibbons. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, but they actually use their arms quite a bit. And there's actually been some studies because I'm um, looking at, at, at chimps and, and the, their muscle fibers are actually packed more densely and, and, and tighter. Yeah. So I, I know I did, I did do a, a show a few years ago and talk about, you know, chimp strength and how uh, they actually don't, they they're, they're, they don't even know their own strength because when they actually do something like when they touch something it, it, it's far you know oh. it has far greater impact than if we touch something. Um, oh, they're like Lenny from Of Mice and yeah, Men. Yeah, they don't mean to hurt. Yeah, it's, oh, it's so it's, sad. Uh, exactly. <laughs> like you know, sometimes I don't know my own strength and I touch somebody. I'm like, oh, I didn't mean to just yeah. Hit you. And so, I've been meaning to talk to you about that. So their actual you know the, the muscle morphology, but also just the way they are built um, affects yeah. their strength. Yeah, they, so, we don't skip leg day. Yeah, do not arm wrestle a chimp. Oh, and You're just uh, lose your arm. advice to listeners: Google uh, shaved gorilla. They are cut. It is like if you oh, ever, oh yeah yeah, it, yeah well yeah oh that sounds like I'm like like I know it's like that sounds- <laughs> no if you if you I was I kid you not you Google it it's fascinating I'm trying to like roll this back now yeah but if you it's fascinating because you don't see their muscle definition under no. the fur sometimes and then when they're shaved for whatever zoo reason or just I don't well know. they lose their I mean like chimps I, I I've seen chimps uh, there's a chimp at the L A Zoo uh, which I frequent quite a bit and that has lost most of its. Uh, for and boy, is yeah. he ripped. Yeah, They're he's ripped, shredded. Oh my god, yeah. it's crazy. Master Shredder. What's like the P ninety X? They make P ninety X look just like nothing. Mm-hmm. They're like P nine thousand X. Yeah, I don't know the <laughs> scale of whatever Pan. That program is. Pan nine, yeah, P ninety X. Pan is their uh, their genus. So, okay, all right. Well, okay. Next question. Moving on. Uh, from Angie Suave from Facebook Live. Rico Suave. I know. What a great yeah, name. Great There's name. a accent in there. I love that. Um, I've got name envy. <laughs> uh, here's her question. What do you think of the aquatic ape theory? Oh, boy. Can you explain yeah. what it is and why it is or isn't valid? Now, I can only assume that the aquatic ape theory is that apes are made out of water. Clearly. Yeah. And, and Neanderthals built the lost city of Atlantis, yes. which we already discovered. Yes. Uh, actually, the aquatic ape theory is a, a theory of why uh, humans became uh, bipedal over time and also lost our, our apes lost their hair. So the idea is oh. that apes were wading in water. There's a few ideas. So the apes were wading in water and they had to stand upright and therefore that over time meant they were walking on two legs. And because they were in water, like dolphins lose yeah. their, you know, their dolphins are mammals and don't have a lot of hair. They, you know, like you almost get this like dolphin-like skin, like what we have right now, this, you know, sort of hairless uh, skin. And on top of that, there was another idea that even breasts, female Human female boobs are different yeah, than non, non-human primate boobs, and the fact that we actually have fat surrounding our mammary gland, whereas non-human primates they get milk, they they you know they lactate, but they uh, they don't have fat surrounding their their mammary glands at all times, huh. and so the fat acted as like water wings, so the baby could grab a hold of it, like these buoyant little. This I know. is the most creative theory that's made uh, up ex- by a middle exactly. school boy it's, I've ever. Right? Heard. No, no, no. It, it, and and that, <laughs> I, mean, not I, I don't want to make work? fun of it, but it generally is not um, well respected as far as. Uh, 
I just love being an actual concept, valid though. theory of, of how we became bipedal or mm-hmm. lost our our hair because they're finding out that you know um, a lot not a lot of primates go into. The, I mean, you'll see some uh, apes actually wading in water. There's uh, photos if you Google orangutan in water, you, you'll see or gorilla in water. You've seen you can see pictures of gorillas and orangutans um, actually in water and standing upright because you have to if you're on all fours you're going to drown. Yeah, but it's, it's not something that they do naturally a lot of times because they're predators in the water. Yeah. I'm um, looking for tips because I'm I'm tired of shaving my legs, and so oh, if this works out. Yeah, I exactly. Just, just stay in the, in the water. We're back on Star Talk, Neil Tyson here. Sometimes with a DeGrasse. And be- <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's DeGrasse greener. Yeah, uh, DeGrasse is greener. Uh, Neil on DeGrasse. Right, right. <laughs> nice, always good to have you as always co-host. Always a pleasure. Uh, Natalia Regan. I, I keep calling you Regan. It's Reagan. Natalia Regan. Okay, I'll answer to anything. <laughs> You'll answer to it. Uh, so uh, you, you're an anthropologist and you've worked in the field specializing in spider monkeys. Yes. But we assume you have some osmotic knowledge of other uh, members of the primate the community. primate world, yes. Primate universe. Yeah. The primate-iverse. So, uh, what do you have, Chuck? This All right, is, let's jump this right back Queries. into it. It's uh, Cosmic Queries, so you know we have your questions here. Let's uh, let's get right into it. Uh, John Clemens uh, wants to know this. He's asking you specifically, Natalia. Do you have a favorite primate? Oh gosh, I feel like I would be a total jerk if I didn't say spider monkeys. Just because you studied them? Ooh, they're pretty. Well, here, I'm going to say a couple cool things. That's a about lame reason. That is a lame reason. No, 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 no. I can't no, let, no, no. no. We, gotta, we, can't let, we can't let you off the hook just on that. Just because you wrote papers on it. Right. <laughs> what? Well, actually, spider monkeys are pretty, I think, fantastic. Not okay, only do they. So have, then here it is. Yep. What distinguishes them? to make them high on your list from all the other primates? Well, okay. So I, I love the fact that, they, like we talked about the frugivore thing, that they, right. they spider monkeys eat primarily fruit. Um, the ones that I studied in Panama were so tenacious. As far as the deforestation problem in Panama, it's bad. And I saw spider monkeys, groups living in what should be a corridor between two huge fragments, living in just the corridor. So they were able to scrap together a, a living, and by living I mean food uh, and and still had infants you know uh, on their back and on their front um, and so they were still able to, to to make it in this really degrading so they reorganized their civilization to still survive Basically. in spite of what humans are doing yes and they also so like one of the cool uh, actually working on nuclear weapons yeah. oh my god a spider monkey with the codes with I would the codes, just the, oh, the launch codes oh god That's and they have they have the prehensile tail so all they had to do is just kind of like Boop, prehensile means it can grip. It can actually right? prehensile, and only New World monkeys, by the way, have that, uh, and not all of them. Only a few do. Mm-hmm. But um, also, I, this is an interesting fact: spider monkeys. Be the judge of that. <laughs> uh, I think you'll like it. Uh, female spider monkeys have the hypertrophic clitoris. I don't know what that means. Uh, right? yeah, I know exactly. what one of those words is. Right? Yeah. The other one, I don't know what the word is. Yes, so I it- certainly don't know. <laughs> I certainly know what hypertrophic means. What is this other word you said? <laughs> so they get a map. Someone need a map. Well. So, so what is, so these are spider monkeys. These are spider monkeys and females. Female spider monkeys. Yes, they have, it basically looks like almost an index finger f- hanging down. It's a dangler. Uh, it's a pseudo penis and it looks like it w- mm-hmm. would be, I, the first time I ever saw a female spider monkey, I thought, oh, those are some male spider monkeys right. to which I was told no. No, 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 no. So these were, so hypertrophic means bigger. Yeah, well, it's extending from the body. Extending from the body. Yeah. So what else about the spider monkey that makes a 
so great. Well, so uh, I was going to say that. By the way, what is the purpose of a of a hypertrophic clitoris? Well, that, a dangling that's, clitoris. You know, that's the thing. Is it's there's not there's there's different ideas of what that could be, but there's no actual accepted theory about why there is the hypertrophic clitoris. Uh, one of them is that it, it makes it easy to identify females from a far distance because it really does. I mean, it helps us researchers. I know from if I have binoculars, right. I see it. The, the dangler. So what does the, um, what does the male penis do then? The male penis actually, I mean, it's actually not too some, not too shabby itself. I actually have seen some copulations in the field. And by the way, spider monkeys have very long copulations for, compared to other. Star talk. Yes. I was After say, hours. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> to monkey porn. Monkey right? porn. <laughs> <laughs> so no. Uh, I know they have very long copulations. I actually had to write an entry in the um, primatological encyclopedia that's coming out on intromission pattern and copulatory posture, which is basically monkey sex positions. Right. The person but i had to talk about how long spider monkeys will engage and it's usually on the upwards of like 20 minutes really yeah they can be for a very long time well i have to uh, oh that's the, wow yeah. look at that that right there is a hy- hyena uh pseudopenis that's a female that's and a female hyena right that's a clitoris there. and actually hyenas give birth through um their clitoris so and for those of you it. who are do not have the benefit of startalkallaccess.com right now we are looking at a picture that is up on the screen it is a female hyena who is uh gestating right now she's pregnant and she has a hypertrophic clitoris clitoris yeah and and the clitoris doubles as the birth canal yeah I mean that. Oh. So when men say like, "Oh, I could never have a child because how could you imagine you you know giving birth through a urethra?" Meet the hyena. <laughs> that wow. can't feel great. Okay, well, maybe it does. Maybe I, yeah, you're right. You know, maybe maybe yeah, right. right. Maybe, maybe it's like maybe, whoa. Maybe that's nature's Woo. reward for them. Hey. I'm just saying. Hey. Right, right, right. Okay, so so, so she's she's giving some arguments there. I'm gonna give you some arguments. All right, all right. Pretty great. Well, let's move on. Let's uh, let's go to um, uh, Juko Vanannin from Helsinki, Finland. Uh, What's your guess? Uh, Are there primates in the Trappist One? system that's to you neil and i think he just wants he's just trying to find a way to get to to ask you about trappist one that's so the trappist uh one is a star system Mm -hmm. it has seven recently discovered earth-like planets three of which are orbiting in the goldilocks zone okay where there's not too hot not too cold you can sustain liquid water that's about all we know right now Mm -hmm. these planets do cross the front the surface of cross between us and our sight line to the host star. Mm-hmm. There's a cottage industry ready to blossom where we will study the ingredients of the atmospheres of these planets That's so cool. by analyzing the light of the host star as it passes through that atmosphere. And so then you can say, oh, does it have oxygen? Is there methane? Is there any of this other stuff? So, so what we don't know, we can't look at the surface yet, but we are in search of biomarkers. Okay. So what we would do to answer that question, take it seriously, is we would ask you, Natalia, is there any effect that primates have on their atmosphere so that when we study the chemical composition of the atmosphere, mm. we can say, it's got primates? Mm. Mm. That would be the question. Wow. Really because cool. if it has methane, for example... Maybe there's a farming industry because methane is a byproduct of farms. Or Mexican food. Beans. It is a primary ingredient of flatulence. Yes. Does it have termites? There, there's, you know, maybe it's not uniquely implicating them, but it could be suggestive of it. So from what you know, do primates have any special impact on their atmosphere? On their environment? Well, what they do, I mean, it's not so much, I think... 
the atmosphere as far as air. air. But so, for instance, we talked about spider monkeys eating fruit or other monkeys eating mm-hmm. fruit. That is a way they, they are actually distributors of those seeds. So the they, same, the same they, way bees pollinate yeah. flowers, they carry the the, the seed, the fruit, and right. actually. They, they eat the whole fruit, including the seeds. Mm-hmm. But you can't digest the seeds, right? So that comes so. out, and they poop it out, and and that. So this is the plant's diabolical plan, right, to spread their seeds, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, amazing. There was one theory that I read years ago about how. Um, wait, wait. You can imagine yeah. the, the plant scientists saying, "Okay, we're going to produce this <laughs> fruit. Now, how do we get it? Let's." Put it through the entire digestive system of a bear. Do that, but we have to make the casing strong enough so it resist the digestive things. Right. Then they'll poop it over here, poop it over there, and we can spread. Yeah. These are like. Yep. No, I actually. I would, uh, so I hosted a, a Bigfoot show years ago uh, called Bigfoot Bounty, and we found uh, and we'd had the contestants going out looking for biomaterials that could be Bigfoot poop, basically. And mm-hmm. there was one turd that I found. I will never forget this turd. That is a sentence I'd never thought I would hear in my life. <laughs> That was a sentence. Yep. It was, was one of these never before spoken sentence. There was one turd I never thought I'd find that, in that my was life. Star Talk history right there. It was a beautiful turd. It was purple. And I, I just looked at it and it was clearly a bear turd, but it was all just blackberries. It was just like it, 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 oh. it, it was just all seed. It almost looked like it was like a, a candy confection thing, but it was a turd. I did not. Stop there. We don't hear that. Yeah, I was gonna say, that story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't, please, whatever you do, don't ruin candy for me. <laughs> I have very few things left in my life. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Okay. Right. But as far, yeah, so seed distribution mm-hmm. and, um, you know, obviously. Well, so what we'd have to do is we would need more than the atmosphere. We would need some other uh, geographic data. Yeah. So well, also, uh, environmental DNA is very interesting. Like, they'll leave behind, like, or uh, uh, if something, say, for instance, bites or stings them, or, well, not bite, stings, but more bites, like a blood sucking insect, we could dissect their blood meal and, and find if there are primates yeah, living Yeah, I saw in that area. movie. Jurassic Park, I saw that. No, that's that's amber. This is actually re- no, no. Th- you can do ecological surveys now like that. Okay, I'm not kidding. So they, so this is their DNA remnants from various things that happen. Well, it's just blood that's in the uh, like. Say if a mosquito bites a. Right. a that's a what I'm saying. Right, right, right. Yeah. Right. yeah. Right. yeah. Okay. So your cool. DNA signature is outside of yourself. Yeah. In some way, environmental DNA. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. All right. That was very cool. Right. What else you got, Chuck? All right. Here we go. Let's talk about Antonio Rodriguez, who wants to know this: Are there primate hybrids? Yes. Ooh. Very good question. Yes. <laughs> that is a very good That's question. A, and, and, and if there are primate hybrids, who's been what is hybrid, the hybrid? Who's been hybridizing? Who's hybridizing them? Baboons, actually, back to baboons. They do hybridize, and they all they are able to produce um, offspring. So with uh, with other baboons. So it's oh, no, 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 we talking oh, about. Yeah, we're well, talking about like a a, a centaur. They're, they're different spe- Oh, oh god, like a no. minotaur. <laughs> no, that, that would be oh, like that'd a, be so like weird. a baboon minotaur, like some kind of. Chimera, man. I want like a chupacabra, like a baboon chupacabra. You know what's what's funny? The the centaur. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's half horse, half man. man. Okay. And the minotaur, this is just weird. It's it's half man, half bull. Bull. But the rear, it's a a human butt. Yes. 
<laughs> it's just weird. Yeah. It's all human up to the waist. So it's got a human butt. It's so weird. That's just, know. that's just, they'll think that through. I know. But, it's very top heavy too. Like I would yeah, do, I know. Yeah, you just like fall over difficult, all the time. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Difficult to walk around as a minotaur. Okay, so no, but we're talking about blending genes, of course. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so are the, are the great apes close enough to one another genetically that they can crossbreed? Um, yeah. As far as like of a chimp and a gorilla? Ch- yeah. Oh, like God. what we want is a chimp no. boon. Chimp boon or chimparilla. A chimparilla. No. That's even better. No, that, that uh, having, vi- I mean, I'm sure they could mate. Um, a lot of things can mate with each other, but I don't think they'd actually produce viable offspring, no. Okay. Yeah, we haven't seen that. Now, how about chimps that's, and bonobos? Well, that's the thing. Yeah, chimps and bono- bonobos or bonobos uh, probably could. I, they haven't seen any, I think, hybrid uh, hybrids coming Geographically, out Geographically, where do we find them? Well, that's the thing is they do have some overlap. Uh, bonobos are only in DRC, Demo- Demo- Democratic Republic of Congo, formerly Zaire. Uh, chimps are in multiple places throughout Africa, DRC. They're in um, Republic of Congo and, and just various places throughout uh uh, in Western DRC, by the way, is a very famous wine, just so you know. Is it really? Domaine de la Romani Conti. It's too many syllables for Americans, we just call it DRC. DRC. Yeah. Wow, is it produced? It's in Burgundy. In... Okay. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Well, um, we said DRC. Yeah. I said, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Good wine. Wow. Uh, they're winemakers. <laughs> bonobos. Um, that's also probably why they're making love all the time. Yeah, there you go. See? By females. They want their wine and yeah. they want their sweet love. Uh-huh. Um, but as far as them mixing with uh, chimps, I, I, I don't know of any studies that have come out. But um, there was a, a species of, uh, well, not a, it, was a, it was a chimp, uh, a group of chimps in an area of DRC that they, they were so large that they thought they could be um, a hybrid of gorillas and chimps. It turns out they're just oh. chimps. But, but at the really time, yeah, 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 a yeah. good friend of mine actually studied chimps them. Chimps with gym memberships. They were just like, just, <laughs> yeah. dude, what are you juicing? They're, they're, they're CrossFit chimps. Right. So. They're literally juicing. They're, they're, oh my they're juicing their fruits. Yeah, they are. It's uh, yeah, you gotta you gotta do what you gotta cool. do. All right, so give me, give me one more. You got right, yeah, time for one last question. We have to one be more. Quick. Yeah. Surprise. Uh, as humans, are we progressing? No, let's forget that one. Uh, no, wait, 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 who, what? <laughs> okay, okay. Are, as humans, are we, Chris, Chris Schneider, as humans, are we progressing forward or are we idling with all the technology that is so easily available? In other That's words, are we going to evolve because of our technology like will that turn us into different humans and thereby different further separating us from our primate here's what we can do we can turn ourselves into superhumans Mm -hmm. and then turn chimps into humans (laughs) <laughs> then they can do all the human easy. work and oh, we great. can go to the Bahamas <laughs> I love it oh I, I don't I think there's an ethical question there that is probably uh, not a good idea okay um, no uh, I don't know I'm just I'm just <laughs> balling there I don't know although yeah I don't know I mean chim- chimps are really aggressive I don't know if I want them like taking out my trash well, well is there any attempt to uh, in the in the spirit of that sure. question is yeah. there any attempt to modify their DNA to make them more capable of surviving their environment in chimps? one way or another, yeah. Not that I know of. Uh, okay. No, not. I mean, like modifying their DNA. No, right. I mean even like the the new gene editing we have in in humans, like right. CRISPR, and there's a, a new mm-hmm. one that I uh, I read about recently. That's even you could actually inject a living person with um, edited genes that mm-hmm. are it's supposed to take effect. It worked on lab rats, but um, that's run into a lot of ethical questions. But as far as trying to change living primates to better adapt, no, it's just mostly trying to change human behavior so they can 
live longer, you know, right, right. Uh, hopefully push, you know, for instance, like in orangutans with deforestation, we're trying to get people not to use palm oil because that's a big problem there. So things like that. We're mm. trying to amend our behavior rather than expecting them to just sort of like change your diet, become a new species. Wait, what's wrong with palm oil? Well, palm oil plantations are basically a big cause of deforestation in... For whatever was there before. Yes, exactly. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, So it's not, the, the palm oil itself is not a bad thing. Okay. It's just the way it's we being We cut produced. it down. We cut down a bunch of trees so that we can actually raise palm oil. Yeah. And and then, I, but I love me some coconut. I'm not getting on my oh, coconut. Oh, yeah. No, no. I, coconut I love go way back. Coconut. Coconut's very good for you. <laughs> we got to take a break. Yeah. You, you've been listening to, and some of you may have even been watching, this episode of Star Talk, Cosmic Queries Primate Edition with anthropologist Natalia Ray. When we come back, hey, welcome back to Star Talk All Stars. I'm your host, Natalia Reagan, primatologist, and I am here with my hilarious co-host, Sarah Siskin. Nice to be back. Yes. And now <laughs> that we talked break. about... Oh, yeah. It was, it was, good break. It was long. It was yeah. long. We missed you guys. We Thanks missed for coming you back. so much. And now that we kind of covered Neanderthal DNA and their diet, we want to talk about their behavior and did they have culture. And with us now is Dr. Will Harcourt-Smith of the American Museum of Natural History and CUNY, and we are so happy to have you here. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So we want to talk about... You know, did Neanderthals have culture? Were they these brutish, you know, necklace fiends that were just, you know, <laughs> lumbering beasts? No, they weren't. They, they obviously weren't these brutish, brutish fiends at all. And and we're beginning to see now sort of glimpses of, of more complex behaviors with Neanderthals. It's nothing compared to what we see with modern humans. And I really think it's important to to make that point. But we are we are narrowing the gap. And Todd just talked about you know that the you know that the genetic similarities to to, to, to Neanderthals compared to modern humans, and you know the fact that there was a little bit of I'm going to be English here, a little Neanderthal hanky panky going on. You know, but, <laughs> oh yeah, but, oh, I like yeah, right. that. I like that euphemism. Yeah. We were using uh, tap that, but his is like so much <laughs> nicer. It's, it's highbrow, hanky panky. Okay. I feel like ashamed now. <laughs> <I know>. All <laughs> right, but you know that we we are seeing evidence of of. Um, uh, of cultural behavior. We've known they buried their dead for a while, for instance. Uh, and that's, that's, that's something that, you know, there's a, there's a reason behind that that may not just be functional. You know, you, I mean, you might want to get rid of a dead body just because it's smelly, you know, and <laughs> yeah. it's like bringing in, bringing in uh, you know, predators and the like. But there could be other reasons for it with them. And, and we're beginning to see other evidences, other pieces of evidence that, that, that are quite, in, quite intriguing, you know, body adornment, jewelry, uh, possibly, this is more, we can talk about this in a moment, more contentious, uh, cave paintings, possibly. Yeah. Those cave paintings, though, look very uninspired. I'm not right? a fan. They're um. unoriginal. <laughs> I feel like they're derivative. Um, <laughs> I feel like they. the lighting is not, you know. It's just, it, yeah. It, they're so last year. Right, yeah, they're exactly. So Actually, it's your voice is perfect. You sound like general. a you know, reviewer of paintings. <laughs> exactly. Very big fan. Well, it reminds me of History of the World Part 1, the world's first art critic. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, he's on it. Yeah, that's basically, uh, is that what you would do to that Neanderthal art painting? I, I believe, yeah. It would be not a full stream, um, probably a half a, a stream. Cause I'm not tinkle. that you know, dismissive. I understand okay. they, they showed up, you know, and yeah. I value that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Where do we go from here? <laughs> but just just to, to clarify, the actual cave paintings we are talking about, um, El Castillo Cave, um, right. they are essentially, it's red ochre, yes. which we know that they used for at least 250,000 years uh, before that this, you know, that that's the 
the record has shown that that they either use it, you know, on, on their bodies or in you know grave goods and whatnot. But they have this handprint, and it almost looks like, and I joke that it looks like you know almost ancient hand turkeys, but they look <laughs> yes. like you know people I just kind it. of put their you know tracing their hand. Um, but there is some controversy or whether or not that was uh, an anatomically modern human that did those paintings or mm-hmm. a Neanderthal. It's, Thoughts? Yeah, it, I mean, this, that's the bottom line. We don't know who made these. And mm. the, 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 the thing that has sort of made people argue that Neanderthals may have made these is the date. They're 40,000 years old, so they're really old. And we, it's right on the cusp of when modern humans arrive in Europe. Up to that point, we see only Neanderthals in Europe for a couple of hundred thousand years. And it's hard to tell from a handprint whether it was a Neanderthal <laughs> yeah. or not. You know, right. you, really, you really need the bones and, you know, the skulls and perhaps you could extract some DNA and you, you could probably go out there and try and reconstruct Neanderthal hands, and, but they're not that different from modern humans. It's a real hands. jerk move, really, to just yeah. leave right? the hand and nothing yeah. else. They're probably like, we're going to, you know, start so many PhD yeah. dissertations exactly. I, with yeah. this. I could just see them thinking, this is, this is my signature, <laughs> but then not, right. no, sign it, fool. Don't, that handprint's not enough. That's not a real No, they were obviously signature. there to talk. Us. And in taunting us, they are indeed doing because you know we we just we just don't know. So it's a rather indirect bit of evidence, I think. Yes, yeah, passive aggressive is what it right. is. It is pretty bullshit. Calling this? them out on it. They're like, how can we really screw? You know yeah. what? These, other these new, these new guys coming in. Like how? <laughs> let, I know what we can do. I got an idea. Let's like screw them over for a millennia. I the other thing is like I, I feel like we could we could blame them for all this unexplained phenomenon throughout history, like Stonehenge. Like we could just all it's always like maybe yeah. Nazca lines, pyramids, obviously made by Neanderthals. Yeah, there you go. Not, please. (laughs) Yeah, I was about to say, we just launched a thousand conspiracy theories. We're rolling it back. We're rolling it back. Lost city of Atlantis, guys. (laughs) Obviously, that was Neanderthals. Um, But look, there are other bits. There are other bits and pieces that are interesting. There's a cave down in Gibraltar that Mm -hmm. has uh, these repeated inscriptions. You know, sort of lines. Uh, uh, crossing over each other, almost like somebody doodling, and they'd be done again, again, and again. And they're, they're at layers in the cave where where we have Neanderthals. And is that art? I don't know. I mean, define art. Oh, you know, here we know, go. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Very, very, uh, meta on exactly. Head, Freshman year undergraduate one on one. Right. Exactly. What is art? What is Mind art? blown. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's it's definitely it's it's a it's it's re, it's a sort of repeated behavior. It might you could interpret it as symbolic. Um, but but who knows what it was for? Um, again, these things mm. are really hard to interpret. Uh, but it's probably made by a Neanderthal. I mean, until we find a Neanderthal, you know, dead with a paintbrush in its hand, it's going right. to be kind of hard to absolutely know. So Neanderthals, if you will, are the Banksy of <laughs> anthropology? We're <laughs> never going to find them. <laughs> exactly, never going to Ah, shucks. Bringing space and science down to earth. You're listening to Star Talk. Hey, and welcome back to Star Talk All Stars. I'm your host, Natalia Reagan. I'm here with our comedian co host, Patrick Melton. Hi. Dr. Mark Kissel, a paleoanthropologist. Hello. And we're going to talk about how did hominins become human? And Mark has been doing this really great research looking at uh, the evolution of, of wisdom in uh, our species and our ancestors. And uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about. The way that you're going about this, you're looking at genetics and also uh, just the genetics uh, that is now being shown that language is something that formed over time mm-hmm. and it might be part of our actual you know, human genome. Right. So it's a good question. I, the language issue is something that everyone wants to know about. Right? So clearly, we, most humans have language 
And most kids, I think, they kind of struggle to pick it up, but they pick it up fairly quickly. No non-human, other non-human primates don't do that kind of thing. So it's clear something that's distinctive about humans. We would love to know when it evolved. <laughs> we simply don't. I think it was like in 1870s, one of these linguistic societies in Paris passed a law that they couldn't even talk about the origins of language because it was so contentious. People argue about it. We know a little bit more now, but still we don't know because thought language doesn't preserve. So there's some tricks we use. There's these things called these Acheulean hand axes that Homo erectus made about 1.8 million years ago. These are teardrop-shaped stone tools that are flaked on both sides. Kind of look fairly impressive. I cannot make them. <laughs> I would totally die out in the middle no, of the I have to get mine on Etsy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I bet you Amazon you can get Prime some, that shit. I bet you Etsy would have a bunch of them. Yeah, of course. Probably one crocheted. Oh I'm my sure. gosh, that would be great. Choose your color. A hand mitt, you know, for the oven the oven mitt. But go on, so you were saying that <laughs> okay, so yeah, you could make them. I got distracted. Oh. Right, so the, it's been argued that making these hand axes, you'd have to have lessons. Someone would have to instruct you how to make them. You can't just make them if you just find it on the ground. You have to have a set of lessons. So maybe that would involve language. But also maybe you can just watch somebody. But also somebody had to make the first one. If one person can figure it out, other people can figure it yeah, out. Yeah, fair enough. Like, I right. mean... That is actually a really good point. One didn't fall from the sky. This isn't Skyrim. <laughs> <laughs> they, the used to think they, were, they used to think they were formed by lightning bolts hitting the ground. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe that's how the first one showed up. You have to farm for them. But that's a, it goes back to the, the social nature of it. Like someone maybe invented it, but how was she able to Of course it would yeah. sh- right. be shared. I mean, at some point somebody's going to go like, where'd you get that? And they're going like, to go like, wait till you figure it out, man. It's going to be great. Like, no, they're going to go like, oh, you just do this. Right, right, right. But you can also argue that uh, chimpanzees, and even if you look at capuchins, mm-hmm. will use tools, uh, rudimentary they may be, but uh, to break open nuts or to fish for termites. So it's an interesting, you know, and they have to pass on, and is that culture? They have to pass on that knowledge from one generation to the next. You know, like, don't eat that, eat this, mm-hmm. and this is the way you do that. You know, you want to use a long stick because these are the really aggressive ants or, you know, so on and so forth. But I don't know if that is... They teach cats to flush toilets. It's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, my mom's cat used to do that. <laughs> I mean, those have those crows that can get their... I mean, new Castilian crows make use tools to get things out of test tubes, right? And they put in labs, so they're very smart. Too. Yeah, yeah so I think that... Too, I, was, I mean, this is what Jane Goodall showed, right? Yeah. Jane, tool use doesn't make us human. But, you know, what makes us human is a lot more complicated than just one thing we all do because there's not going to be that one thing ever. So is it, I mean, ideally, is it, would you say it's a culmination of traits like a language looking at, you know, mm-hmm. the ability to actually speak rather than just have vocalizations and, and facial expressions like our closest genetic relatives, chimps, right. do, uh, looking at the actual, you know, artifacts if, uh, if there was some symbolic art and then on top of that, fossil, any sort of remains that show there was, you know, uh, for instance, uh, burials and things like that, grave goods. Yeah, I mean, I think it's all part of it. You know, the obvious, well, not, not, the not so obvious problem with this is that whenever you try to define what makes us human, we tend to do it very exclusively. Oh, we're bipedal, right? Or, oh, we, we walk on two legs. Or we have big brains. We have oh, an Instagram account. We have Insta- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, we have Instagram <laughs> accounts. But it's funny because I ask students to say this all the time, and they will say things like, oh, well, we go to space. You know, we, we wear pants. We wear pants. <laughs> Some, Some of us, us don't. do, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> I think the problem there is we think of it very exclusively, and we actually a lot of humans don't walk on two legs. There's humans who probably don't who don't have language, who can't really think or complex pants. thoughts or have or, pants. No, I saw a few down the street earlier today. <laughs> Unfortunate sight. Naked cowboy. Naked. I mean, <laughs> I cannot draw for the life of me. 
or make a stone tool. So I think that to the fo- we have to rejigger, and I think part of the work we've been doing is looking at this, is what makes us human is our shared evolutionary history. That's the one thing we all have that no other species on the planet has. So the reason why, as a paleoanthropologist, studying this is interesting to me is we can look at that evolutionary history and see what makes us human is that story of that 10 million years or so of human evolutionary history that sets us apart from everything else. It makes us maybe distinctive. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the actual fossil record, mm-hmm. uh, what you look at to see how, what, what, can the, what can bones tell us about being modern? At one level, they can't tell us much, right? Because, I mean, we can get some behavior from bones, but the bones we find up until fairly recently, there are not that many of them. I mean, we have a lot of fossils, but at one time we have maybe just a, a femur, the leg bone, or just some teeth. So it's really hard to get at maybe the kind of behaviors that people like me want to know about. There's sure. some there's some way there's some tricks we have to doing this. It, Tell me your tricks. Right. Well, <laughs> what you're saying is it's hard to get a conviction without a body. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Say. I mean, because we don't even know when we showed up. Right. We have a when Homo sapiens, if that's you know our genus and species name, the earliest Homo sapiens we date to 105, maybe 195,000 years ago in East Africa. So we're young. Yeah, we're fairly recent. Really young. But there's things before that that also look kind of human. Things that after, like after that also don't look that human. So how we define what human is, is really, really tricky from a fossil perspective. You know, some, I remember in like fifth grade, we all have to memorize the kingdom phylum class order thing, right? The Linnaeus system. And when Linnaeus defined homo humans, he said, just know thyself. He couldn't define us. <laughs> you know, and everything else has like a feature. So it's really, really tricky to say. There are some clues, though. I mean, we do see compassion, you know. We see that kind of early on. We find individuals at 1.8 million years ago who have no teeth but lived a long time after losing their teeth. So we do begin to see evidence of this compassion and that kind of thing that, for the most part, doesn't happen in the non-human primates. So that is kind of a clue to more of this community building we're talking about. So you can infer from the fossil record something that somebody that doesn't have teeth or somebody that, for instance, was injured, would, would be a grave injury, but they've healed. Mm-hmm. You can assume from those fossils that they were actually cared for, taken care of by their, right. what would be assume, loved ones. Yeah, we find people with their heads sort of smashed in, but then they survived. And someone or individuals who had debilitating disorders but still lived a long time suggesting that someone took care of them. So altruism, had an compassion. Accident. Ah, <laughs> you burnt my toast. Um, <laughs> or I mean, the other example is like childbirth, right? Giving birth to live young in humans is really oh, so painful, difficult. right? Because of bipedality. We walk on two legs, our pelvis, the hip bone changes based on chimps from humans to adapt to walking on two legs. But we also then have to give birth to live young and it becomes the sort of arms race, which is more important being biomechanically able to walk or give birth. So in human in human females, the baby has to fit through the birth canal, right? And spin. And spin and, and, and turn. And twerk and so it's really, really painful because of that. So these are the scars of, evo- scars of evolution. And I could also say for those of you who are listening that if you're ever in a situation where your significant other or partner is in labor, in the birthing room, explaining this scenario does not help. <laughs> Yeah, why can't we? Just, you, get in, you get in big trouble. Why can't Mark we just has get, two fantastic kids, and I have a feeling his wife probably can relate to that story. But the point being that we could, we sort of see evolutionarily when that begins, when childbirth became very painful. Maybe that involved humans 
helping each other get yeah. born. Yeah, well, and babies also, get born face down. Yeah, they, someone needs to help. Exactly, because like, chimpanzees, like, I, I've, I've, well, I've seen um, howler monkeys give birth, and and boy, it is just. I mean, I'm sure it's not fun, but it looks like a walk in the park. The way they just reach down and they pull up their offspring, mm-hmm. they go to town on the placenta and they just I mean like this, yeah, is, this is what the, they do most of the chimps turn down an epidural they don't even, they don't, they don't even go don't there even they don't even need it they're like I, they, I got this they walk away and they can do it by themselves water where birth. humans they actually they need do water birth <laughs> what do you water birth chimps do water birth I've yeah heard. dance it out well, we actually have to wrap it up. This has been a fascinating conversation. Well, Dr. Mark Kissel talking about what made hominins human. Your host, Natalia Reagan, with co-host Dr. Patrick Melton. I'm just going to call him doctor Thank from now you. on because it just honor- feels right. Honorary degree. Thanks. And, of course, Dr. <laughs> Mark Kissel from Appalachian State University. Thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, keep, uh, keep staying curious and looking up. 